Hello there and welcome to Moving Forward with Young Voices here on the Fed by Ravens Media Network. Very happy to welcome uh, Kier Nuthi back to the show. And uh, Kier, first of all, let's a little bit of small talk for people who are meeting you for the first time. Tell us just a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yes, so I'm Kier. I work at NetChoice, which is a tech policy trade organization based here in D.C. So all of the wonderful world of the inter- internet from a free enterprise and a free expansion angle. And in addition to being a Young Voices contributor, you were telling me before we went on the air that uh, you are a social media manager. And I understand in this day and age, you know, that's, that's a very necessary position. But I would be hard pressed to describe what does a social media manager do? Um, I've had to explain this to my parents who do not have social media. My dad just got a Twitter to like follow me personally. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) But I used to explain to them, it's like the guys you see on CNN, except on a much more micro scale. So it's like posting content that generations who use the internet every day, hopefully love to interact with. Um, I've done it from a couple of different angles, both product and like nonprofit, the nonprofit space is very different, but social media is just a, it's a new landscape of community building. Well, it's, it's a very essential thing I'm learning as I move forward and, you know, try to my, my various projects as I'm trying to, to get traction for them. I'm learning. This is something you, you, it's not an option. You, you really need it, but there are some interesting hurdles that people are encountering. And one of them in particular is, uh, you know, let's take Facebook, for instance, Facebook has a very strong presence in deciding what content we see and what we don't. Help us understand how that works. I understand there are algorithms that that are there to <clears throat> protect us, but uh, what what what's the function of those algorithms, and and how do they protect us from content that uh, we we maybe shouldn't be seeing, according to some? Yeah. So at its base level, algorithms are a way to sort online content. So Facebook has over two billion users at this point in time, and multiple social media platforms have millions upon millions of users, which means they have millions upon millions of posts every hour. What algorithms do is they sort it into something that makes sense for its users. It's trying to make a timeline that is understandable and interesting for everybody without just leaving you in the middle of a forest full of content, like with no directions and no map. It's kind of a map to your own user experience online. That sounds pretty noble. But in the back of my mind, I'm I'm having some hesitation because at some level, it sounds like someone is uh, helping me make choices as to to what I would prefer to see in my content. Is that a fair way to portray it? I would say that companies are constantly trying to figure out how to pick the best way to curate their content to best serve users. So it's entirely on how you and I interact on the Internet. If we like the way that one company uh, organizes their content and we find it really engaging and interesting, we're more likely to use that app or website or whatever else have you. Um, so these companies are constantly innovating to make them better in a way, in a way that works best for users, not that works best for the companies, because at the end of the day, the more users you have, the more of a community you have and the better content you can get. So, I understand. I'm looking at a Wall Street Journal article about uh, Facebook giving us some control of our feed, 
but not enough. And this is an idea that I, I admit I hadn't really heard about un- until I saw this article. But uh, what would happen if a person was in charge of uh, curating their own content and, and, and responsible for what content they were, were going to see as opposed to the algorithm doing it for them? Would they be overwhelmed or is this a move in the right direction for Facebook to give people at least an option? Yeah. So the way I'd like to explain it is that it's a way to give users more control of our, over our experience. If we want to see things chronologically, we can in a way that's easier to reach. Um, if we want to see things from our favorite people, we have a way to do that. It's just a way for us to control how our content is organized. I would say that it's a sign that they're innovating and it's a really good sign that users have more choice. At the end of the day, this is providing us more options to pick from, both in their platform as well as among the greater online space. And this is because they have the ability to do so. Um, What's really important is that these companies are picking how they curate their content. It's not about how the government is regulating them to do this. These companies are looking at user needs, looking at user interests, and being like, this is the best way to go forward, and we have the ability to do that. So let's do it. It seems like there's there's always a little bit of a looming conflict, though, between Facebook and government. And I, I, I hear voices on all sides, and I'm not sure, you know, I, I always want to err on the side of freedom. But I hear some people saying, well, government needs to rein in Facebook then so that you can have the freedom to see on your feed what you want to see. I'm not so sure that I want to, I don't want government to be the arbiter of what, uh, what Facebook can and cannot do, even if sometimes I disagree with the way Facebook um you know, protect some content and, and shields me from, from other. Yeah. Um, I think what's important here is that big government isn't always good for us. And what we're seeing is this like tug of war with internet companies writ large of the government wants them to be doing something, but they're being pulled in two different directions. You've got this idea of bias online and the fact that like, Posts are being taken down, shadow banning. And so people are calling for no moderation or less moderation in general to like maximize free speech. And that's wonderful, except the other side of this equation is also, well, we need to moderate more. We need to moderate really hateful content. We need to moderate really extremist content. There needs to be a way to do that as well. And so you're seeing this tug of war of like, do we under moderate? Do we over moderate? Or do we walk in the middle and let users choose? And I think walking in the middle and letting users choose free expression and online safety at the same time will lead to more choices for users to pick from. You don't like one platform, jump to another. You like it for a different reason, use both. When you talk about safety, um, I'm trying to rack my brain to, to come up with some examples of um, where, where might safety be a concern in terms of, of online content. Could you give me some examples of where there might be safety concerns? Yeah. So when I think of keeping the online safe, I'm thinking of how is the user experience friendly? How is it family friendly? Are we seeing incredibly violent content amongst incredibly family friendly animated content about education? Um, And what content moderation in that regard aims to do is balance our ability to speak about our truths online so we can talk about whatever we want while also making sure that there's no bad actors like less spam, less trolling, less calls to violence, 
plus things that you don't want to see as a user, but advertisers don't want to see their products next to. Okay. See, now that sounds very reasonable. And, and maybe sometimes I'm a little too jealous of, you know, but uh, I, want to de- I want to be the one who determines what content is acceptable or, or what isn't, only because I have a perception, and I don't think I'm alone in this, that, that sometimes there, there's content out there that might actually be helpful, but it, it may run counter to certain political currents that, uh, that uh, causes it to be unpopular, and therefore it's, it's blocked or it's, it's limited as far as how we can access it. Yeah, I'd I'd say that each platform has a different way to curate and content and each platform tries to cultivate a user base that agrees with that. And I think we're seeing that a lot with the rise of alternative media. We saw Parler last year just skyrocketing growth. We're seeing it come back. We see Rumble taking on YouTube every single day Um, or even at an absolute base level. If we're thinking of smartphones, we've got so many different companies that make smartphones, but like so many different platforms that also do make the backgrounds for it. So you've got the quintessential one is Apple versus Android. Which one do you like better? And I'd say both are incredibly good, but it's up to the user to pick which one they want. So does the user have more control than they really think they do? Because sometimes I'm led to believe that, uh, okay, I, I don't have much control. But uh, what, based on our conversation, it sounds like there, there actually have been some kind of positive developments here. Yeah, I would say that I have been the kind of person who's jumped off social media as much as I've jumped back on. So I, I personally have felt a lot of ability to choose and an ability to say no to certain platforms when it's bad for me. So I get to jump on platforms when I want to deactivate, reactivate within the terms and conditions. Um, I've both had and not had a Twitter account four times in my life (laughs) in the sense of I, the platform worked for me for a very long time. And then I just became the kind of person who didn't want to be on social media. So I jumped off for a little bit. Then I realized how much I missed it. And I jumped back on. (laughs) We have the ability to switch our platforms. I, I think I think what you're describing is going to sound familiar to a lot of folks. Uh, Karen Nuthi, thank you so much for doing this segment with us. Where can people access your work? Yeah, so you can access my work at, at Karen Nuthi on Twitter or at netchoice.org with my lovely coworkers. Okay, thank you so much. I hope we talk again soon. Awesome. Thank you, Brian. 